All right, good morning, everyone, wherever you may be in this beautiful world, and welcome to episode number 19 of the Still City Insider podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Jim Wexel, and we're here, sadly, on a day in which we put to bed the 2021 Steelers season as they fall to the Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card round 42 to 21. Jim, how are you doing today? Okay, I'm a little tired. A lot of snow shoveling yesterday. A lot of snow shoveling. Well, I can see how that could uh, take it out of you. And this episode, listeners may take it out of you as well, because again, your Pittsburgh Steelers season is over. They finished the year at nine, eight and one. A game I know that I had a lot of optimism heading into. I think I was just trying to deny the reality of what was actually coming. But as much as this loss is pain, painful, uh, and it's the end of the season. It's also the beginning of a new era because Ben Roethlisberger more than likely has played his last game in a Steelers uniform. So we're going to talk about the game in Kansas City, but we're also going to talk about moving forward in 2022. Um, and Jim, let's jump right in. Wild card weekend at Kansas City. They go up seven to nothing on a big play. And I know I'm thinking, oh man, here we go. Uh, but then the wheels just fall off this thing. I never really got excited. I mean, their offense is so puking bad. How could anyone get it? I don't, my, the, the readers on the message board are telling me that I'm too hard on you. So I'm trying not <laughs> to sound like I'm hard on you when I say, how could you be excited? I'm not really talking to you. I'm just kind of talking to myself. Maybe I was a little excited, but um, yeah, you're clamoring for you. They want me to shut up. They want all of you. <laughs> They're clamoring for my denial of reality there, but well, no. I mean, you, you've got it perfect. I mean, you're with a mean guy. You're you're doing your job. You're doing it well, and you take abuse from this mean guy. How can you not win? You're you're going to come out of this smelling like a rose, you know. But I, I don't feel like I came out of Sunday night smelling like a rose, but, uh, yeah. you know, TJ had the nice uh, pass bat down there, Devin Bush pick. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. There, there's some positivity there and the, the scoop and score. But it just seemed like from there, all the issues that this team has had all season long, there was nothing out of the ordinary. It's the same old story. And, uh, you know, as much as we thought that they were turning the corner, they just never could this season. And Mahomes had his way. Well, I don't know if it was on this podcast last week. I know uh, Wolfley's show. I was on Wolfley's show. Max Stark said, they've got to establish the run. I said, what, do you want third and eight on the first series again? And they laughed. They said, yeah, then play action, then strip, sack strip, and then touchdown defense. And that's and, and the first series was exactly that, third and ten. I mean, I was even giving them third and eight expecting you know them to establish the run one yard at a time gain two lose two and then the second series third and eight just horrendous just horrendous i know there's a lot of factors but i tell you you talked about a new era and there is some optimism in that regard mm -hmm. okay yeah you know we're all we all have our memories of roethlisberger and everything that he's done and everything he's meant to this city, but 
it's like kind of refreshing now to move on. I, I know that's strange to say, but there's a, there's an excitement if you think about it. Hey, you know, we can change everything uh, about this that we want to change. And um, I don't know if I'm being clear, but I, I think there is some excitement in moving on and starting all over again. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I mean, you look at Big Ben and absolutely grateful and appreciative for everything he's brought to this team, but his skills did begin to dis- diminish, uh, especially in terms of mobility and to have somebody out there who can move around a bit. And that's no slight to him, but I know just as a fan, I'm, I'm a bit optimistic just to see which direction they go. Um, do you think as a result of how stagnant this office offense has been, is this it for Matt Canada or do you think this team will give him another year? I'm guessing they'll give him another year. And they kind of went along with his thinking that he needed a mobile quarterback. I don't know that I want to see all that. I mean, when, when, when we had to see the same thing, you know, this was supposed to be playing with house money, right? Didn't we all say that? It was the same old uptight offense. Let's establish the run. And and then in the second half, we see the same thing again and again. You know, we're, we're Ben running the offense is so much better. And when you establish the pass first, as they did in 2005, Wiz and Hunt's game plans were all more throwing on first down. And then as the game, as, as they carved these defenses up with their passing game, then the running game became easier and more of a factor, kind of uh, pitching backwards, as they say in baseball, throw your curves on um, on 2-0, and o. throw your fastball on 0-2. Mm. So uh, that's what I was hoping to see, and there was none of that. It was the same old stuff. Now, that RPO offense, it never really seemed to fit Ben ever since he threw that interception in the end zone from the one-yard line in Denver, if you recall, a few years ago, to the nose tackle. RPOs just haven't seemed to be natural to him. And I don't know if, if it would work with anybody. I don't know if this offense will work with anybody. But, I mean, his offense, in the end, it looked like his offense was shotgun, no huddle. Let's call these plays on the fly. Yeah. We have to wait until it's 42 nothing to see that offense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of exciting that there is change in the air, whether it's a new offensive coordinator or not. It's not going to, with a new quarterback, unless it's, you know, a Russell Wilson, which I think that would be a huge mistake bringing in an expensive veteran quarterback because this team's not ready no matter who the quarterback is, mm-hmm. unless it's Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes <laughs> can throw it to a tackle. You know, I, I, I'm skipping around, but Andy Reid would have by now made. TJ Watt into the greatest two-way player. He would be, he would be a tight end. He and Kelsey would be going crazy. They would be throwing passes to each other. Yeah, that was JJ uh... Watt. JJ Watt said that years ago. I asked him about because JJ caught some touchdown passes as a tight end in goal line. <clears throat> and uh he said, Oh, TJ's always had way better hands than me or Derek. He goes, TJ could be a great tight end. I've always waited for that. Yeah. anything new anything except the rpos and third and eight yeah 
And it looks like uh, the return of the dropsies from uh, one Deontay Johnson, two critical third downs. Not that they would have changed the outcome of the game, but they could have extended two drives. Um, a reason for concern there that Johnson's drops, while absent in the beginning of the season, have resurfaced here over the last four or five weeks. Yeah, it's a concern, but it's him. It's it's now him. It's not one bad year last year. Let's catch tennis balls for a while. Uh, it's him. It's always going to be him. But let's also give him the excuse of any natural human being running those third and twos over the middle at 180 pounds. I mean, it's just natural uh, kill shot. Yeah. So it has to be in his mind. You'd have to be completely crazy <laughs> not to have that on your mind, which we expect out of NFL football players to be yeah. completely crazy and fearless and different from us. But I mean, come on. So that's one excuse for him. The other, I mean, he, he dropped some other balls that weren't those little tunnel passes over the middle. So it's, it's part of him. Yeah. He, he's just going to, it's just going to be him. Yeah, and not really much else to talk about on offense because it was uh, bad, to say the least. But the, the only other thing is that Najee finally fumbled the ball. Um, don't know how much you can, you know, pick on him about that, being that he was playing through that injury. Um, but his streak ends of number of touches without a fumble. Yeah. And, you know, every time they reported that, every time they said that, you knew it was coming at some point. Yeah. What bad timing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, Jerry Dulac tweeted that Ben started calling the plays himself and just stopped listening to his head headgear, you know, the microphone in his helmet. And that would, it would have been after the fumble. I, I mean, what was the score to have to? At halftime? 35 to 7 after the fumble. Oh, after the fumble. Yeah. Here we go. This is when the offense decides to start playing at 35 to 7. I, you know, it's a good theory to establish the run, but you can't just – it's just not going to happen like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, they need the personnel to, to be able to do that. Um, defensively, again, they started strong, but I don't know too many teams who can contain Patrick Mahomes. Again, he he did what he wanted. Uh, receivers were wide open down the field. Travis Kelsey uh, got behind uh, or actually got out in front of um, Trey Norwood there for that uh, big score. You had uh, Tyree Kill with a big play. As you mentioned, a uh, tackle eligible, catching a touchdown pass. Um, Kelsey throwing a touchdown pass. It was an embarrassment of riches in terms of touchdowns for the Chiefs. Um, how many pieces is this defense missing? Man, I, I feel like we're depressing the listeners. And I guess that's just natural after that game. Um, you know. There were so many people wide open. I mean, Pringle, who is he? And who is Demarcus Robinson? These guys were running free. And who? they're no-name receivers. They're nobodies. Yeah, they've got a lot of speed. Uh, it's funny, the difference when they drafted Chase Claypool, and now they had Juju, 
Claypool, their tight ends, Ebron, and uh, we didn't know Fryermuth, but it looked like they were building a real physical force of receivers that was going to do interesting things. I don't know, screens or whatever you could do with real physical receivers, as opposed to these little 4.240 guys that are 150 pounds that will get injured. Well, none of the Chiefs for 250 pounders are injured. They were running free. And it sets up people like Pringle and Robinson. You you saw the one play where I believe it was Robinson wide open over the middle. Mm-hmm. All everybody went to cover uh, Hill and Hardman and and the, the the little running back, number one, who on their depth chart was fourth string. But I, I know he's from Minnesota, the uh number one. McKinnon. McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. There's another, there's another speed ball. So you throw him on the team. They're all healthy. And the Steelers big physical receivers were doing nothing. And these little guys were running free all over and setting up average receivers to be open as well. Yeah. And then Kelsey, you know, my goodness. I, 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 I had said before that Friar Muth is going to add strength and weight and be kind of like that. I don't know if he can get that big. And I mean, you see people just falling off him, his straight arm. They couldn't tackle him. It's like tackling an oak tree that was running. Yeah. And uh, and Joe Hayden got beat a couple times. And so that looks like the end for Joe. But yeah, I don't know where to go. Yeah, if, if anything, and again, not to be pessimistic either, but uh, I think it's just being realistic about where this team is. And if anything, it shows how far this team has yet to go to be ready to compete. And the organization can identify those spots and personnel where they have to upgrade and change and tweak. And they have all off season to do that. You know, they're going to have 46 plus million in cap space. So maybe they could be a little more active in free agency. Who knows what they'll do in the draft, but kind of shifting gears to um, yeah, let's. <laughs> where we could be more <laughs> optimistic is 2022 biggest questions, biggest priorities for this team as they get ready to start building for next year. Well, and we can look at this blowout on, on the bright side. This is the third playoff, not so much blowout, but defensive collapse. You know, Jacksonville, they, they went in there without Shazier and their run defense was hideous. And Jacksonville scored over 40. And then last year, um, they snapped the ball into the confluence. And uh, all of those things added up to over 40 points by the Browns. But uh, Dupree was out and um, Bush was out. And uh, there were some excuses there. And and now it's the third one. And you can stop making excuses. There, there's, there are issues here. There are too many people running free. And yes, the front line was decimated and the inside linebackers have been poorly selected and uh, um, added to the roster. So there are issues there, but the excuses are over. And now you you do have to look at Mike Tomlin as a defensive coach and ask serious questions as Art Rooney too. Uh, what's up? What is with your defense? Ever since LeBeau left, you've had this idea of hybrids and you've had your uh, – You've tried a lot of different things and nothing seems to be working and it's always an injury or two. Uh, Well, uh, we can't, everybody's going to have injuries or two. So there has to be serious questions looked at Mike Tomlin's defense. Perhaps he looks at them and perhaps he 
hires a defensive coordinator with his own ideas as LeBeau had. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, Aditi floated that uh, Keith Butler is going to retire. And uh, people who've, who have watched Ter- Terrell Austin coordinate defenses in Cincinnati say he's not the answer that uh, they point to his stats the years he worked, but this is a new Terrell Austin. I, I, I've liked running into him. I've liked talking to him. He's older and wiser now, and he, he's not the coach he was. I remember when he came out of Pitt, he's always been a guy that Pitt and Steelers fans have looked at. Mm-hmm. And now that he has learned and gone through hardships and his first uh, experience wasn't so good. I'm sure he learned from that. He still might be an interesting guy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But you would have to believe that he's going to run Tomlin's defense as well. And I don't know what the flaws are. I, I'm not a X's and O's expert. Um, but they have to take a serious look at all of that. And uh, with the money, I, I hope they don't just start filling holes. I want them to spend that money wisely on young players you can build with. The, the, young, the young free agents are always more expensive. Um, so I, I hope they don't just start filling holes thinking that this team is one, two, three players away. It's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. How about in terms of quarterback? The speculation has been with the additional year that they signed Mason Rudolph to that he'll be the starter next year. Do you think that that's the reality or do they pursue someone in the draft or in free agency? How do you see that shaking out in terms of quarterback? Well, okay. Well, what are, what are your levels? I mean, Aaron Rodgers seems to be bucking on the Pat McAfee show to go to Pittsburgh. He's already practicing his Yinzer commentary because he had Mike McCarthy as his coach for so long. I mean, he's what, 38? Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing there? You, you're thinking that your team is that good and maybe Ben had fallen off that far and a guy, a 38-year-old will come in. And I think Aaron Rodgers does seem like a young 38-year-old, but that would cost way too much yeah. in draft, draft capital because he's not a free agent. Russell Wilson, the same way. Uh, and so what, what, what's left? The mid-tier, Derek Carr, he's, he's going to be a little expensive. Mm-hmm. Is he the answer? Is that where you want to go? Uh, a free agent might be the answer if you have that kind of money, but I'm just not sure that a Derek Carr is, is going to be your answer. It's just going to be more, more nine and seven, you yeah. know? And uh, I, I just want to make sure that they fix the foundation the run defense for one. And um and the offensive line for two, the, the, the foundations are poor. Yeah. And so they have to address that. You know, I don't know that they have to spend all their money. They always do. So it's not like this team has let things slide financially. Uh, they've attempted to win every year and they will say they're doing that next year. But when the draft comes and they draft a position that they don't really need, because they need all positions, in my opinion. I mean, except maybe a free safety. Um, you know, um, but it, it, in the draft, if they draft 
totally on talent instead of need, then we'll know that they're rebuilding without telling us. So they'll, they'll never tell us they're rebuilding. That's poor marketing. You want to sell your tickets. Right. Right. So do you think the priority for this team, um, you know, if you're putting your GM hat on, do you think first and second round either has to be offensive line or defensive line? No, it has to be a Hall of Famer. Where does he play? Who cares? This team needs locker room presence. You can't believe Cam Hayward's going to gonna, um, last forever. T.J. Watt, players like that, <clears throat> when the biggest guy on your team is your hardest worker, that's when things start going well in your locker room. Mm-hmm. Cam Hayward's been that guy. Pouncey, DeCastro were, were those guys. You need those pillars. Those guys that get off the bus, you know, Joe Green, uh, it comes in after a bad loss and looks around the locker room and anyone's smiling and gets pissed off. That's the kind of guy. And the, the guy that everybody respects, not just because he's the biggest and baddest, but because he works the hardest. Yeah. Those are the kind of guys. So I'm not going to pin it on a position. I want that guy wherever he plays. You know, Heinz Ward, those kind of Hall of Fame type players. That's what they need. Yeah. That's what I mean by rebuilding without telling anyone. Right. Right. So uh, I think you've answered this question um, that I was planning on asking you before we get on here. Um, in terms of competing for next year, you think that that shouldn't be the focus. It should be foundationally rebuilding this team so that down the road they can compete for an extended period of time, not just put a Band-Aid on this thing. I think that's what the underlying our process has to be you okay yeah it's my cat hang on <laughs> one second give me one second here you're all right sorry about that i had a little uh technical glitch there my cat was uh going after another cat outside <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of fire i'm talking about nobody's gonna fire. mess with your cat in the locker room <laughs> That was some fire. Uh, what, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Oh, so I, you, I really feel like I'm boring everybody. I, and I'm sorry. It is kind of early for me. A lot of shuffling yesterday. But go ahead. Where were we? Yeah. So do you think this team can compete next year? Or do you feel that the, the focus needs to be replacing those fundamental pieces so that they can put together a, a series of seasons where they can be competitive? In other words, not putting a Band-Aid on things, but yeah. really trying to rebuild. Yeah, well, I hope they don't put a Band-Aid on it. I, I don't. I, I really want to see foundational pieces added. Uh, that should be the um, focus in free agency instead of saying, well, we need a, a quarterback. Uh, we could use some speed at receiver. Um, of course, we need an offensive lineman in the draft and a defensive tackle and some inside linebackers. You know, you start plugging and you start getting mediocrity at some uh, as answers to some of those instead of getting uh, true foundational pieces. And you don't say in two years, this will pay off. You never say that. And, and they won't. They'll do both. I think you can do both. You know, get your foundation. Identify the 26-year-olds in free agency that you want to go after. Identify the players you want to re-sign. Um, and, uh, of course the draft and then start filling in around them with intelligent decisions. And as much as all of, uh, uh, we bloggers want to write our 
blueprints down today, it's just not how it's going to work. You get one at a time and then you take a look around and see who else is out there today and then do your best that day. And then the next day, that's how the Steelers have always operated. It's a Rooney type approach and Dan Rooney. You know, I don't want to leave the chief out of this because, but Dan Rooney is really the master at, 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 in what has happened with this organization. Mm -hmm. And he has always been a day by day guy. Yeah. 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 Well, Jim, if you would, if you look back on this 2021 season that kind of, you know, wrap up the the meat here of the show. Uh, again, we we might call this the uh, the pessimism episode. Um, but if you would describe this year, this twenty twenty one year, um, I guess in terms of whether or not it was a success, um, I guess what's your final take on how things played out this season? Man, I tell you, whenever they played a good team, they just they just got stomped like a mud hole, you know. And that may have opened some eyes, at least to the guys like Mike Tomlin, uh, to do really look in the mirror, figure out what's wrong with their defensive approach. We know what's wrong with their offense. The line sucked, and the play calling just never adapted. You know, it was trying to get that sucky offense to adapt to the play caller. You need more ingenuity from your offensive coordinator than that. Will he get another year? That's that's not up to me. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what Matt Canada's potential is. But um, there was some success in that you could see when they played – dysfunctional teams like Cleveland with the one arm quarterback and Baltimore with the backup quarterback and all the problems those two teams had, the Steelers found a way to win. So there's a lot of heart and soul there and good enough coaching. I, I, I still believe in Tomlin uh, to get them to nine, seven and one with that talent, but also the way things were ripped open raw in some of these games against good teams you could look at that as a, as a bright spot because it's going, it, 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 it's not going to allow nine, seven and one to curtail anybody's belief that this was a good team mm -hmm. and which might've been the case in the past, but they were just handled so easily by good teams that there has to be deep introspection. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good and uh, good uh, as long as they do look in the mirror. If they don't look in the mirror, then then maybe the egos are running rampant and there maybe there would be time for a change. I don't believe there's time for a change with Mike Tomlin. Uh, the Kevin Colbert thing is going to be – that's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. Kevin's very good at what he does. And we can talk about that if you want, but whatever's on your agenda next is, is fine with me. Yeah, well, that was actually uh, – that was actually it, just kind of – Picking through the the meager helpings there of that game and taking a, a preliminary look ahead to 2022, and um, you know, kind of reflecting on you know us being in the off season, kind of where we go. But Jim, any um, projects that you're working on? I know you said you're working on a book, um, but things you're going to be working on this off season. What your readers can expect from uh, the Still City Insider here over the off season. Yeah, well, we've added a podcast. I don't know if you are aware of that. I think so. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> we 
once we get the grouchy host, uh, me, to leave the nice host alone instead of, um, what was he, what did that guy say? I'm too hard on Jeremy, something like that. I don't mean to be. But, you know, I think you started talking about Benny Snell and I just lost it. Yeah. <laughs> I got razzed by, by a few of my family members about that. <laughs> hey, you know, hopefully we never have to talk about him again. That could be a, a, a sideline, uh, a highlight of 2022. Um, oh, projects, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, it's just better moving forward. Uh, give me some time to think about that. We've added a podcast. I'm not, I, I'm trying to pattern my life after Dan Rooney. So <clears throat> he always uh, went slow with things and it's funny when you bring up number of views at first, you eh, not getting, then you get excited. And I'm not, I don't look at the day-to-day results so much as I have a feeling. I, I think you're good at what you do. And I like this. It will build slowly and we'll figure things out. Yeah. Um, but uh, we have a ton of writers and they're all ready. The draft writers are all, they're all excited, ready to go. And, and it, it is going to be exciting to document all of the new uh, changes that are going to happen. I mean, Art Rooney, too, probably feels embarrassed over what happened. So he it's not like he's Dan Rooney and has a great past to lean on and can just say, oh, well, that was just that year. Every year is, is another uh, attempt uh, by Art to add to begin a real legacy. I'm not going to diminish his input on past Super Bowl champions, but now he's in charge and he doesn't have what his father had. So uh, he will go at this, I believe, with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of his heart and soul. So that'll be interesting to watch that happen. And they have a lot of money. So we'll be there to cover all of it every step of the way. And uh, my own personal project, I'm writing another book for somebody else. So I just have to write the thing. I don't have to market it. I don't have to make it. I don't have to mail that out. <clears throat> but it's uh, going to be a history of the draft on the clock. And right now I, I'm on um, 1969. And that's taken some time because that was the year Joe Green, Terry Bradshaw came the next year, uh, Chuck Knoll, Bill Nunn, Art Rooney Jr., Dan Rooney. I mean, you know, Dan Rooney came in the late 50s, but he was the GM in uh, uh, 1965, the de facto GM, who finally stood up to Buddy Parker because the chief always gave the coach, it's the Steeler way to give the coach run of the uh, uh, entire organization. Finally, Dan stood up to Buddy Parker. They accepted his resignation and didn't, didn't give it back when he sobered up. And uh, uh, Dan's first couple of coaches were misfires, just like his brother, Art, took over the personnel department <laughs> the chief joked we can give him a head of scouting because parker's traded all our picks anyway so uh, Artie isn't gonna mess this up so uh Artie did miss on a few picks in the mid 60s the few that they had so both of those rooney brothers missed on their first couple of attempts so uh, there's something to be said for patience and perseverance and by 1969 both of them you know, Artie Jr. didn't want, who's this Bill Nunn? Why, why are you hiring a guy without my say? And uh, then they met and they 
loved each other. And then Chuck Knoll comes in and Art's going, are we going to let another coach make all the draft picks? Who is this Chuck Knoll? I hope he knows more than Bill Austin. And he met, he, he was very um, abrupt, um, boisterous in barging into an interview of Dan and a chief interviewing Knoll and Artie breaks into the room and sits down. What do you think of black players? You know, Artie was sick of players like uh, coaches like Austin and Buddy Parker, he who he thought were racist, ignoring uh, the black uh, um, people were bringing them in. Oh, because the AFL and the CFL were involved. So rosters needed filled out and people started looking at the black colleges and the Steelers weren't. And it was in their backyard, the Pittsburgh Courier. They had their black college uh, All-America uh, uh, banquets at the Pittsburgh Hilton. And Buddy Parker wouldn't come. Bill Austin wouldn't come. Bill Nunn. Bill Nunn was a Browns fan because they, Paul Brown in the 50s, signed black players first. Bill Nunn and his friends would go up to Cleveland. Bill Nunn's from Pittsburgh. And so uh, he became a Browns fan. He didn't have much respect for the Steelers for how they went about their business. Thought they were kind of racist. But, of course, the Roonies were never racist. They just let their coaches run the organization. So all of that came together in late 68. And that's where I'm at in my book. Um, the, 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 the big foundational year, they drafted Joe Green, they drafted Elsie uh, Greenwood, they drafted John Kolb. Now, Greenwood and Kolb didn't make the Hall of Fame, but look at the pieces you put on your foundation in your first draft. Uh, Joe Green, uh, locker room monster. Elsie um, Greenwood, pass rusher. John Cole, left tackle. Those are some pretty good foundational pieces. And in 1970, you get um, Terry Bradshaw, your quarterback, Mel Blunt, your shutdown corner, and, and, and then you've got Bill Nunn and Chuck Knoll, and then the two Rooney boys were just starting their careers. So it all began coming together. So I, I love history because that's the kind of stuff that you lean on to make it happen again. Yeah. So. Well, sounds super interesting. Can't wait to check that out once that's all finished. Uh, but it's hard to believe, but we're bringing to a conclusion uh, our coverage, at least for the 2021 season, whether uh, you dub the nickname the general or you talking about uh, Tomlin's uh, being fattest. Um, a, lot of, a lot of fun highlights from this year. See, uh, and look, <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know, they can bring in a fat guy now to run the personnel department who drafts fat guys. Yeah. You know, the, the new coordinator, the, the new guy, the scouting director can come into the new coordinator and say, are you against fat guys? We yeah. need fat guys. So that could be like the black revolution of the late 60s. Yeah. There you go. But, Jim, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we got a lot of content that will be coming uh, to the listeners here this offseason, we have to work out our, our schedule, recording schedule. Um, once we have that figured out, we'll put that out there to everyone. Um, but even though the Steelers season ends here, it does not end for the Still City Insider podcast. So we'll be coming back at you. So, again, just give us some time to work that out. Um, you can check out Jim's work on the Still City Insider uh, and give him a follow on Twitter at Jim Wexel. You can check out my work at thestillstudy.com and give me a follow at Still Study. And Jim, it's been a fun ride. Looking forward to uh, the road to 2022. Yeah, well, we're going to take a week off, but we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, and uh, I'm not certain of the schedule, but we'll figure something out. And um, Maybe I'll get a new shirt or something, uh, mark the new year or something. Uh, 
you do a great job, Jeremy, and uh, I appreciate it. And uh, it's only going to grow. It's only going to get better. We got it up to about 200 views per in, you know, now next year, this time it'll be 2000. And then two okay. years from now, it'll be 2 million. So. And the ESPN will be chasing us down for our own. Exactly. Show. And we'll say, you know, we built it on Dan Rooney's principles. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly and surely. That's right. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us here today. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Still City Insider Podcast. Take care.